Good morning again, everyone. It's good to have you here. Uh, Sarah came up to me right before the service and gave me a kiss, and she says, uh, maybe the baby you're, you're baptizing, the, gay, the little girl you're baptizing, the gay, maybe she'll come up to you 27 years later and give you a kiss on Sunday morning. And uh, All right. Hey, last week we began a new series of sermons uh, on the waiting room, on the whole topic of waiting. The Bible's full of exhortations for us to wait on the Lord, such as wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage, wait on the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who wait on the Lord. You you see this, the idea is waiting on the Lord because our hearts aren't full of courage. You see, we are not really where we should be. And so waiting on the Lord that he would bring us into his presence, waiting on the Lord so that he would minister to our hearts and soul. It says our souls wait for the Lord for he is our help and our shield. But the fact is, is waiting is one of the difficult uh, exhortations in the Bible for us to really follow up with. We're waiting for a job, we're waiting for a spouse, we're waiting for a healing, we're waiting for a spiritual awakening within our children, we're waiting for emotional healing and health. Our life is full of waiting, and in many ways, life is a big waiting room. Just think about how much time you wait in line. Just waiting in line at the grocery store to get a cup of coffee, or sitting in traffic. And I'm sorry, I know that for some of you, talking about traffic on the Lord's Day is a sin. But, uh, but how much time do you actually sit waiting on traffic? How, how much time do we spend with these customer service agents when we call? And they know we don't like waiting, so they make excuses like this on the recording. Due to a high volume of calls, your wait time might be longer than what you expected. Please know, though, that your call is very important to us. Now, when I hear that recording, I, first of all, I think, um, really, is my call important to you? And then secondly, like, what is wrong with your products that you have a, such a high volume of calls to the customer service agent? And, and they know we're getting so they start saying things like this. Um, your wait time is 35 minutes. But if you would just press 1, then we'll, we'll put you in line for an automatic callback. You won't lose your place in line. Uh, just press 1, and we'll call you back when, when your time is available. So you do that. You think, well, that sounds pretty good. And so after about 45 minutes, you're saying to yourself, I never got that call back. And then you look to see that you actually had your phone on silent, and you missed the call uh, 10 minutes ago, and now you have to go through the whole situation all over again. As a matter of fact, researchers tell us that we wait about one to two years of our lives, waiting in line one to two years of our lives. Can you believe that? One to two years. Well, uh, and the researchers say that it's not necessarily the waiting that we have a problem with, it's the anxiety. And it's the, uh, the uh, am, am, once I get to the front of the line, am I really going to have the experience that I'm hoping for? Is my problem going to be solved? Now, I know that I wait about a, a year to two years of my life because I'm a Costco member. And, um, sorry, 
I'm sorry, brother. All right. You know how it is. They have the biggest shopping carts in the history of the world. And so you load that thing all up and then you kind of get to this. And then everybody, it's a sea of people waiting for all these checkout counters. And then you go and you pick one. You know, you kind of strategize a little bit and then you pick one. And uh, it's like what happened to uh, me last week when Barbara and I went to Costco. She was off shopping. I was standing in line. I chose a line and was standing in line. And she comes up to me and says, you know you got in the, in the slowest line. It's like, yeah, that's, that's what happens. Well, I have good news and bad news. But the good news is that when it comes to making choices in life, there's only two, one of two lines that you can get into. You can get into the line for wisdom or you can get into line of foolishness. Foolishness or wisdom. As I suggested, uh, told you last week that the book of Proverbs emphasizes the fact that we're torn between two lovers. We have the woman of wisdom on one side and the woman of foolishness on the other side. And these two women are speaking to our, into our lives as we go through situations where we have to make decisions. The writer of Proverbs uses a literary device known as a personification, which is uh, using human forms to represent an idea. And in this case, the writer uses two women, one representing the woman of wisdom, the other representing the woman of folly. This morning, we're going to look at the ultimate choice we have to make. We have an ultimate choice to make between these two women as we confront situations in our lives. Now, when you compare these two women in the book of Proverbs, you'll find out that they have a lot of contrast, but the main contrast is that the woman of wisdom waits. And the woman of foolishness or folly rushes in. Wisdom waits, fools rush in. And that's really the choice we have when we are trying to really face life situations. We can really choose wisdom to wait on the Lord or we can rush in. Now, when you look at the book of Proverbs, we see that chapter nine is really the, the, the high point of the book. For eight chapters, the writer of, of Proverbs has give, been given the comparison between the woman of folly and the woman of wisdom. And he's, it's like a father speaking to his son saying, don't be deceived by the quick, uh, get things quick scheme of the woman of folly. He pleads with his son to set his affection on the woman of wisdom, the only one who will bring satisfaction to all those who wait. Actually, the book of Proverbs is a divine appeal from our Heavenly Father for us to reject the quick methodologies of, these, of this world and to embrace the patient, prayerful pursuit of the promises of God to all those who wait on the Lord. Chapter 9 of Proverbs is really kind of the climax of the Father's appeal. The rest of the book, he'll giving sayings to the son who had chosen the woman of wisdom. 
And he introduces this, 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 this chapter at the end of chapter 8 with these words. Blessed is a man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorpost. For he who finds me finds life and obtains the favor of the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself. All those who hate me love death. We see that chapter 9, after this introduction, is divided up into three parts. There's an invitation of the woman of wisdom, there's an interlude, and then there's an invitation from the woman of folly. What's interesting is each one of these sections, these three sections, are the same length, six verses. And here we find that the writer is calling us one last time. So let's first read the invitation of the woman of wisdom from Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Hear now the word of God. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewed out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food with mixed wine. She has also set a table. She has set out, sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the, uh, the, of the city. Whoever is naive... Let him turn here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat my food, drink of the wine that I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. Notice that the woman of wisdom is an expert builder. The text tells us that she built her house. She didn't just throw some two by fours together. She is an artisan. Notice she has hewed out seven pillars. The idea is she, she goes to the, walk, the rock quarry and she chooses seven of these huge boulders. And with precision and skill, she chisels away on those boulders until they are a perfect round pillar. She is concerned about quality and care. Her house is spacious, it's strong, it's stable. Her house is, uh, has precision, it has perfection, which is underscored by this number seven, which is the perfect number of God. Notice she prepares an exquisite meal paired with, her, with the wine that she herself has mixed. She has set a table with her, final, uh, her finest place settings. No place for paper plates and napkins here. Only the finest china and cloths will work. And then she sends out her maidens into the highways and to the hedges. And she compels all to come in so that her house would be filled. And she herself calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Come, for everything is ready now. Come, immediately sit down and eat. Come, eat my food and drink the wine that I have mixed. And her house is large enough to welcome whoever is and lacks understanding. Notice there's no seats available for know-it-alls. There's no seats available for those who have it all figured out. The only thing needed for admission into her house is that you forsake your folly and proceed in the way of understanding. The woman of wisdom. Now let's look at the invitation from the woman of folly. The woman of folly is boisterous. 
She is naive and she knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by, who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Notice that the woman of folly is boisterous. She's persistent like a barking dog. Really, her voice is all she has. She hasn't built anything of value. She actually sits in the doorway of her shack, probably because she's afraid to go inside because it's going to fall down on her. She has nothing substantial to offer those who pass by. Just stolen water and stolen bread. But she still calls out with these enticing words. Psst, hey, hey, you, you, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. This is stolen water. This is stolen bread. It's stolen. That's what makes it so exciting. It's what makes it so erotic. It's stolen. You can get instant satisfaction. And you didn't have to do one thing. Drink it. It's sweet. Because someone else had to work for it. Eat it. It's pleasant. Because no one has to know. Now remember that chapter... Five and seven of Proverbs has presented the woman of folly as an adulterous woman. So she's very familiar with gaining gratification for something that doesn't belong to her. Stolen water, she suggests, is sweeter because it's not from your well. Stolen bread is more satisfying than eating from your own labors. But we all know that the sweetness will eventually become bitter and the bread will eventually become molded. And those who listen to this woman of folly and go into her shack find out that only the dead are sitting at her table. The one who has consumed her words of deception, that he discovers that all those who have went in before him are in the depths of destruction, devastation, and death on earth. Relax, says the woman of folly. I'm programmed to receive. You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. And that's what happens when we listen to the words of the world. We find ourselves sitting at the table of destruction, devastation, and death. Now, standing in between the invitation of the woman of wisdom and the invitation of the woman of folly, in the middle, chapter 6, verses, the interlude. Let's read that. 
He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself, and he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and the years of your life will be added to you. If you are wise... You are wise for yourself, and if you scoff, you alone will bear it. As I said, this interlude comes in the middle, and when you first read Proverbs chapter 9, it seems a little bit out of place. But when you look closer into this interlude, what you find out that it's not necessarily just about choosing the woman of wisdom and the woman of folly. It's about what type of person are you going to be. Are you going to be a person of folly? Or are you going to be a person of wisdom? If you're going to be a scoffer, you are one who indulges in instant gratification of the flesh. You go around saying, just go ahead, quit, leave, indulge in whatever you want to, just make yourself happy. Get it, get it now. Who cares what anybody else thinks? It's about how you feel, what you think. It's what about what you want. But if you're going to be a wise person, you wait. And you listen. And you gain understanding. And if you choose to be a wise person, the interlude tells us that our days will be multiplied Years of life will be added. We will grow in our understanding of the Holy One. But if you choose to be a scoffer, you will bring dishonor on yourself. And you will bear the outcomes of your decision alone. This interlude is a divine appeal from our Heavenly Father to reject the quick fix methodologies of this world and to embrace the patient, prayerful pursuit of the promises of God to all those who wait. This morning, we have an ultimate choice. We can listen to the world or we can listen to the wisdom of God in Christ. The Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words. See to it that no one takes you captive through empty deception, according to the elementary principles of this world, rather than according to Christ. And that's the point, is that we, each one of us, can be, be taken captive through the empty deceptions of this world that promises sweetness and pleasantries, but never truly satisfies. You can drink it, you can eat it, but you're going to find that it only brings devastation, discouragement, and even death. Or we can come to Christ, and whom the scripture tells us are all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
You see, God loves you so much that he sent his son. And Christ is no literary device. He's not some personification of wisdom. He is the wisdom of God. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But you have to wait, listen, and gain understanding. In Christ is the true knowledge of God. In Christ is the full assurance of understanding. And God does not want us to be delude, for us to be deluded with persuasive words from this world. Actually, the scripture tells us that in Christ we have a divinely empowered weaponry to destroy the speculations and every lofty thing that sets itself against the knowledge of God. We have the weaponry to be able to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't do just what make you, you think is going to make you feel happy. Don't do it. Don't listen to that woman. Wait. Seek Christ. The Bible tells us that if any of us lack wisdom... That we should ask of God, who gives to all generously without reproach. And some of us, maybe all of us today, lack wisdom. There's something going on in our lives where we're ready to plunge in, rush in. And the Lord is saying, just wait. Wait. We've been listening to these deluded and destructive words from the world telling us to quit, to give up, to do our own thing, to do whatever makes us happy. And it's telling us to grab it, grab it now before it leaves you. But the fact is we're all being tempted and lured away by our own lust. You might be here today and you might have listened to the woman of folly. And because of that, you're depressed you're discouraged. You're disillusioned. You might be here today and there's a decision that you really need to make. And you're uncertain. Wait. You might be here today and you are just emotionally fried. Thinking that there isn't any hope. But I'm here to tell you today. The scriptures say, if any of us lack wisdom, let us ask of God who will give us all wisdom through Christ. If you have come to Christ before, come again. Keep on coming. Did you know there's no re-entry charge into the kingdom of God? And if you've never come to Christ, well, the invitation is being offered to you today. Come to Christ. Separate yourself from the deceptive words of the world. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is the incarnation of wisdom for us today. He has skillfully built a spiritual house. He has hewed out the perfection of God's grace and he has set himself as the precious cornerstone. He has prepared an exquisite meal paired with his own mixed wine and he is set and everything is ready. 
He has sent out his servants into the highways and along the hedges and has compelled all to come in so that his house would be filled. And he himself stands in the heights of heaven saying, come, come. Everything is ready now. Just sit down and eat. And the Bible tells us that they will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south. And they'll all sit and recline at the table of the kingdom of God. Jesus' house is large enough to welcome all of us who are naive and lack understanding. There's no seats available for the know-it-alls. No seats available for all those that got it all figured out. Because you don't have it figured out shows that you should be walking in. The only thing you need is to forsake your folly and to pursue the Lord. Are you ready to be done with foolish things and give your heart and your soul and your mind and strength to serve the King of Kings? You don't have to have it all figured out. None of us do. You just need to come in, sit down, and let Jesus serve you. This morning, we've prepared a table for you. The table behind me is not the table of this church nor the table of this denomination. This is the Lord's table. And it's for all those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ, the incarnation of wisdom. And on this table are the symbols of God's grace through Christ, a little morsel of bread and a small cup of juice. And the bread is a symbol of his body, which he has given to us. And the cup is a symbol of his blood, which is poured out for our forgiveness. And the Bible tells us as, long as, we, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Because one day Jesus is going to come back. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. And all those who have listened and waited to the wisdom of God will be ushered into this great banquet room. And there we will enjoy the married supper of the Lamb and the security of God's grace through Christ. This meal today is just the rehearsal dinner. It's a simple meal for the entire entirety of God's family. It's for all those who have listened to the incarnation of God's wisdom and have come to Christ. And through partaking of it, we obtain spiritual nourishment. Days are multiplied. Years are given to us, if you would. But the Bible does tell us to examine our hearts before we receive the supper. And this morning I'm asking for each one of you to examine your heart. Most particularly, is that have you been taken away by the empty deceptions of the world? Are you being tempted by the woman of folly today? Have you listened to her and now find yourself depressed and discouraged and you want out? You can leave no matter what she says. Search your heart today, each one of us, and let's turn away from these worldly voices and let's come to Christ 
and whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As I prepare the table and the worship team comes back, let's examine our hearts. Oh, Lord, our God, we come to you today acknowledging the fact that we've acted like fools. We've listened to the woman of folly. We have rushed in. And now we find ourselves in despair. But Lord, today we've heard the good news that Jesus Christ is the incarnation of the wisdom of God for us. And Lord, we come to you asking that you would forgive us for listening to her. Forgive us, Lord, from indulging in the, what she's been telling us and thinking that there is some quick fix to get out of this. Lord, we, we come into this place, this simple place, with this simple meal to tell you that we need your spirit to cause us to wait, to take a pause, and to repent, and to ask you, Lord, to renew us like the eagles. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice for us and we celebrate your goodness unto us this morning. Lord, we come to this table that you have prepared for us, symbols of your body and your blood. Nourish us now spiritually so that we might truly glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.